good evening, Nick. You're looking very well tonight. Oh, that's very kind of you, Nick. <laughs> you look great, too. Guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in here. How is this possible? I'm looking at two identical <laughs> Nick Cages. Well, Seth, I can explain if you just calm down! All right, listen to me. You're Nicolas Cage. No one can ever take that away from you. But after The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Bangkok Dangerous, Knowing, Ghostwriter, Next, Wicker Man, you need to be a little bit more selective about your films, Nicky. And in that movie, I really wanted to find a way to express, again, my kind of German expressionistic dreams. You know, like uh, uh, Alan Nosferatu or Caligari, where these actors were doing these extraordinary faces and body language that was not necessarily natural, but expressionistic. That's my favorite movie I made, by the way. Return of the king, not the tiger, just remember. Cage is better and raw, Joe Enders. When talking through all the fire and the embers. Based on true events, but it is Cage that we remember. Nobody can argue the heat that he brought us, got us too far. People are dying, but we are complying because he is my star. Yeah, you know he's untouchable, actor and chameleon. Disappear in every role, I wish that I could meet because him. Because Nicolas Cage is a tiger. The type of man who cannot be tamed. So when you try to cage up the tiger, you bring the tiger what do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? You almost got me killed twice, and my jaw hurts like hell. Have you ever had the feeling that the world's gone and left you behind? Have you ever had the feeling that you're that close to losing your mind? address is near Kapa'a'a. Is it, is it, no, is it Kapa'a'a or Kapa'a'a? Is it, is it two A's or, is it A-A-A or A-A? Two A's. Okay, thank you. No, I'm in Waimea. This who me expression on your face. Come on, I saw you and you saw me. And don't pretend like you don't know who I am, girly man. You want to look like a knockout, but when you heard the gunshot, your eyes were open in half a second. Not your fault, totally understandable reaction, but it kind of ruined the performance, don't you think? I'm a lieutenant in the police department. I'm in the middle of a homicide investigation. Try to get my prescription, please? Bread, 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 and I sweat, 
and shovel this stinking dough in and out of this hot hole in the wall, and and I should be so happy, huh, sweetie? Chrissy, over by the wall. Bring me the big knife. gun bullet travels at 700 miles an hour. So at close range like this, the force is going to take you off your feet for sure, but it's really no more painful than a punch in the chest. prepping in 2012 <laughs> yeah. you know not not extreme but just you know i was one of those guys that was like you know i'm gonna have some shit ready you know just you know i had like all this camping gear i was cooking with and shit and they were like oh where's this so i'm like all that shit you made fun of me about yeah i mean i was prepared i'm prepared for, for some shit just in case but when it's 20 fucking degrees outside you, you, it's just hard to stay warm said i wouldn't do it but i gave it but daddy rich but i'm making the payments loco in the head is so funny is um, I had to work like uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Yeah. And what's funny is that Monday and Tuesday is whenever all the shit went down. I had already gone to work, so I had power when I left work at 5.30 in the morning. A call from my daughter saying, oh, power's out. And then right whenever I got home, the power came back on. But then it went out again at like 8 p.m. And so we, we had to spend the night, you know, with no power. And I woke up just so cold. And then I went to work again. It's 5.30 in the morning. Just getting updates, you know, it's just still down, still down, still down. And then right at 2 o'clock the next day again, the power comes back on. <laughs> I didn't get to see the desolate part of the, of the whole day. Like, I, it came on right whenever I, I walked in the door. She want me to steal the declaration. Said I wouldn't do it, but I gave it. Her daddy rich, but I'm making the payments. Loco in the head is so amazing Every day a movie like I'm Nicholas Cage Nicholas We can Cage. have, you know, other chances to book, you know, like we could do a John Woo with Wind Talkers and Face Off if we wanted to You know, but like out the box, I think this is a good way to say that we're not just trying to knock out the hits You know, like we'd love to make that like the theme of the double feature for Nick Cage Is like have one, you know, a subdued cage and then one being like a very, you know, just outgoing cage and screaming cage with some red hills 
Look at the way that I'm riding, I feel like the man when I go on the streets. My girl be crying when I leave the house, but that's just the way it gonna be. I think she attacked. And I came across the uh, the Jackie Daytona episode. Have you come have you watched this yet? That's my by far my favorite episode of that entire scene. I actually I bought a Jackie Daytona shirt. It's like so many layers of funny, like all at once. You would, you would think it would run stale after a couple of seasons just making fun of like vampires and but they're writing and they're, they're so good it just it's it's just gold the jackie daytona though was, was by far one of my favorite episodes just the human bartender jackie daytona <laughs> Welcome to Spittin' the Real Shit, uh, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group, The Real Shit. Uh, you are catching us on a very special day, because this is our 28th episode ever. Uh, in the midst of a DFW snowmageddon, a new bracket champion emerges. We talk about the outcome of the final face-off, as well as a full-on celebration for the legendary actor whose career spans over 40 years the one the only nicholas cage is being lauded on this episode as this marks the first of many more editions of a brand new themed episode known as stepping into the cage where we discuss a nick cage double feature and champion his abilities as well as his resume the entire time this time around we look at the spectrum of cage not only in a sense of young and old but also genre dimensions as well uh, released 30 years apart we look at the 1991 love triangle melodrama Zandale, co-starring Judge Reinhold, as well as the newest Cage release as of the time of this recording, the 2021 animatronic action flick Willy's Wonderland. All this on top of much more, including the return of the dreaded One Sentence Review. My name is Charlie Thompson, founder, administrator, and bracket master of The Real Shit. And joining me as always is my co-host and fellow administrator, the Midnight Movie Maniac himself, Ryland Johnson. What's up, man? Are you staying warm? I want to shake you naked and eat you alive. And, it, and, and it's Zondelay is how uh, old Nick Cage says it. I'd like to continue, if I, if I could, just make a ruling uh, that we're going to call it Zondelay from, from here on out. What do you say? Uh, let's let's go with that because okay. like my my when I saw it written down, I said that's Zandalee. Yeah, that that line I spit out was from Zandalee, and it was my favorite quote of that movie. So, <laughs> and that wasn't much of a quote, anyways. So, if that tells you anything, but uh, but yeah, man. So we're coming on the back end of a huge power outage here in uh, the DFW Metroplex as well as the state of Texas in general. Right now, the power system in Texas is seizing up as the state is weathering some of the coldest temperatures it's seen in years. What we're seeing is that some of these traditional thermal power stations which include coal, gas and nuclear have equipment literally freezing over seizing up and that is contributing to some of the power failures. I appreciate you hustling up and getting the power and using that power for the time you had it to watch these movies that I know are lower lower end on the cage spectrum, but I appreciate you and your time. We forget about modern conveniences when this stuff hits. I didn't have power for over 30 hours. I tried to tough it out the first night, stay here, 
my house got down to about 40 degrees. <laughs> I had my dogs under the covers. We, we made it, but uh, two or three nights in a row of that just, I, ha I had to end up going to a friend's, but you know, you try to prepare you best you can. I'm sure a lot of people will be prepared better for the next time. My hat's off to everybody who's, who, who toughed it out, did what they had to do. Uh, I know we have a, an admin chat uh, going and we have, we, we kind of had updates going on. Uh, so shout out to Teeter, shout out to Bo, shout out to Nasty Nate um, for, for good looking out, guys. Uh, we had power outages as, as well. Uh, we had our longest one was about 18 hours straight. We got power back on. Uh, we got the snow melting. The hard part's over. So, But that also cut into our, our movie watching time, which sucks. Where are you going? I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay in my apartment. Gonna but get I, baked. I want to be baked the whole time. Watch TV. I'll probably rewatch Gandhi. Gandhi baked is good. But yeah, isn't it? I always feel bad when I watch it baked because I get really hungry and I'm eating a lot. And poor Gandhi's fucking starving his ass off for a whole time. I know. You know, because you do. You kind of lose track of uh, the little things in life that you really kind of hold on to. And actually, we took a week off, so we had plenty of time to plan an episode. But anytime we were brainstorming, we were like, what do you want to watch? I was like, I don't know. Yeah. What do you want to watch? I had a little bit of a spit in the real shit block, you know, mind block. I was like, there's nothing new out. We had mentioned to maybe watch the little things. You know, you and I are a lot alike. Why is that? I got six bodies. Why is that? got something we just don't know what it is in another lifetime we could be friends why why not why is that why is that we know you know the little things only in cinemas we had gotten uh, mediocre reviews of the movie because for us in order to do this we need to watch it close to release date and cut close to release date so it's kind of fresh and new you know missed a bad movie with that one so but it's just exciting to see something new out with stars of Denzel and Leto and Rami Malek's, uh, you know, stature. But when I see two bad reviews, I'm going, well, maybe we'll skip that. So this is very much a throwback to the kind of crime movies that we saw a big surge of back in the mid to late 90s that we still get from time to time. He was the one that, that thought of the cage idea. And I, you know how excited I was to jump on that. So, I mean, since we're on it, uh, you want to say a few words about little things? Did you get a chance to watch it? I did it. You know, these days with how much stuff is out there to watch with these streaming, you know, platforms and all this stuff, I, 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 I kind of take people's opinions sometimes and skip some things. I will say that it was very formulaic. There was a little plot twist, but it wasn't anything too crazy. But it's, you're not treading any kind of new water with this film. It's kind of a basic detective story that with the absurd amount of like true crime and uh, crime stories, law and order, things of that nature. It just feels like an episode of that, really. There's nothing really special. They kind of stretched out a Law & Order episode to two hours, really. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. With the, the amount of acting talent in that movie alone, it just gets you excited. I don't care who you are. Th those names in, the, in this industry, standalone films, are, are usually worth watching, let alone all three of them in one film. So, Man, Denzel Washington is getting old. Like, yeah. like, it's, like it's getting way harder to hide nowadays. <laughs> First movie that I've seen where I was like, man, he's, he's getting old. I want to thank my, my, my mother and... Uh for convincing my father that uh, 
we needed more than 25 watt bulbs. He thought that <laughs> we could save money. Huh? Yeah, I do need my glasses. Right, come here. Who else is doing it? Who else is doing it? I don't have mine either. Oh, you don't have yours either? <laughs> oh, well, anyway. Huh? Man, that's all right. Because I can't even read it. Anyway, God bless you all. I think, did I, I didn't thank the family? Thank the family and... Uh, God bless you all. Thank you. Like I said, I've said it before. Our heroes are getting old, man. But they're still getting bookings, so they got to work, yeah. you know? But Jared Leto, he showed up in a brand new trailer this week, which was the uh, Justice League Snyder Cut for HBO Max exclusive. <laughs> Charging bull and don't wave the red cape at it. You were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, find out what that reason is. said the age of heroes will never come again. think about uh, the inclusion of Joker into the Justice League? Steven Sikora, one of the Sikora brothers and I have been, you know, we've been tracking this remake of Justice League for three years. So it's been this little piece of carrot hanging in front of us for, for over three years. And the trailer drops. And of course, it's just got Snyder all over it. CGI action scenes. You can tell he's going to sw switch up the storyline. It's definitely changed the villain a little bit. And we'll see. I'm not going to have my hopes too high with, with Snyder. I think he's losing it, man. I, I, I hate to say that, but the luster has worn off with Snyder with me, so we'll see. And I mean, I think I watched 300, and I was impressed yeah. a little bit. But then after that, when, when he went to the superhero realm, I just kind of checked out. But 
also today, fresh brand baby new is we got the Mortal Kombat trailer. It's available everywhere. I know my man Rylan already saw it. First learned about this seven years ago on a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there, it tore through our unit in seconds. The target has superhuman abilities. It had the same marking you do, Cole. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. Mortal Kombat. These are your champions. I'm Sonya. That's Kano. I'm Liu Kang. Thanks, Jax. Kung Lao. Lord Raiden. The fate of Earth is in our hands. No matter how many of my people you put in the ground, Fucking beauty. Thoughts, Ryland, on the Mortal Kombat trailer. All I know is you better put the, the Mortal Kombat techno song in there right after right after you introduce the Mortal Kombat. stoked about it i haven't really kept up with the actors the production kind of just said oh let's see what we get with this thing and man i watched the trailer earlier today it was surprisingly well done it does not look like the previous sequels at all it looks like it's got some good money and good good cgi and, and decent acting involved a decent storyline the trailer is not just a bunch of action scenes you kind of get to see why they're going to this tournament and all this other stuff so I think it's going to be a decent popcorn flick, and that's the best you can ask for out of a, a, a new Mortal Kombat movie. So I think it's it's going to be exciting. Keep your fingers crossed, because you never know. So sometimes they, these trailers are deceiving. <laughs> Plus, it's, it's a hot, hot take. Like, uh, it dropped hours before we, we got on here to record. But yes, I, I agree with you on the, on the plot development. Like, I'm impressed that they're actually caring about, you know, why they're all supposed to be there. And the you know the action looks good. I like the back 
story of, from the law enforcement side of it, you know, being woven into the, you know, the original characters and the magic and all that kind of stuff. Seeing Sub-Zero freeze off Jax's arms and explode them, and that's why his arms are metal, that's pretty fucking cool. You know, they're trying. But a lot of people who have been fans of the video games of the last five, six years have actually watched the entire storyline of those on YouTube because they're so well done. Similar to Injustice uh, with, with the DC characters, these video game people have done some really good storylines for these Mortal Kombat characters. So a lot of people are hoping it can get to that level of writing and that level of you know character development, but uh, we'll see. I will say that when I saw him rip off Jax's arms, I, I did nerd out real bad. Yes, explanation, world building. It's like when Wolverine started cutting limbs off in Logan, I was like, fucking finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, one of my favorite movie experiences ever was, was the original Mortal Kombat in 94, 93. I, I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast. I'm sure you guys have heard it, but probably going to go take another trip to the, to the theater and try to relive that moment. So we'll see. There was a lot of movie news that came in. But these are the things we wanted to highlight. But other than just industry news, we have bracket news. We have a new bracket champion crowned. Uh, that being Idiocracy, uh, the bracket champion of the political comedy bracket. Under President Not Sure's leadership, a new era dawned. You know, there was a time in this country when smart people were considered cool. Well, maybe not cool, but smart people did things like build ships and pyramids, and they even went to the moon. And there was a time in this country, a long time ago, when reading wasn't just for fags, and neither was writing. People wrote books and movies, movies that had stories, so you cared whose ass it was and why it was farting, and I believe that time can come again. Just ended a couple days ago at the time of this recording. And it uh, actually did the final match against Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. He said war was too important to be left to the generals. When he said that, 50 years ago, he might have been right. But today, war is too important to be left to politicians. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. Early Kubrick film, uh, very satirical, very Cold War, what-if type of situation. Uh, if you haven't seen Dr. Strangelove, I highly recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Go watch it. You were watching the feeds. You were voting, Ryland. What are your thoughts on the outcome of the political comedy bracket? You know, uh, Idiocracy is a great political comedy. It's, it's, I feel like it's, it gets better and better about every five years. <laughs> came out in 2006. This is 15 years ago, and it's almost dead near accurate now. It's, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. And I heard that he doesn't even have his tattoo. I know, and I'm all, you gotta be shitting me. But check this out, man. Judge should be like, guilty. Peace. The comedy's there, which I enjoyed. I love Mike Judge's stuff. 
I love Team America, but I was kind of glad that thing got kicked out of here and we got a champion that's worthy. I remember the first time we met. You were a simple Broadway actor, afraid to get in my limo because you thought I wanted you to perform oral sex on me. Do you remember that? Yeah. And now the tables are turned, and I don't know if I can trust you. Just give me a chance. All right, I'll trust you. But only if you will perform oral sex on me. What? Doctor Strange Love, though, I, I'd never seen. And I love, that's what I love about this group is, is it makes you, you know, venture out and, and watch movies. You know, it doesn't force you to watch any of them, but if you want to be voting, you need to know what you're talking about. Pre-70, pre-65 movies are really my weak point. I just, I, I never really got into the, to the classic films, the black and whites. The bomb scene is so iconic and I'd seen it in so many things and I'm going, what is that movie again? I need to go, I need to see that one. I need to see that one. I, I told you earlier, this film is about as close as to art as you can get. It's just powerful and of the time. I can't imagine watching this in 1964. It's just crazy to think about watching it back then during during the midst of all this stuff. Yeah, I'm really, really glad I got to, to knock that off my list. So, And it's genuinely funny Yeah, where he's, he's explaining like how everything got fucked up. And how it's yeah. legally kind of on the up and up. And everybody really knew about it, but nobody did anything. Yeah, and like him talking to, you know, Dmitry, the president of Russia, you know. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He ordered his planes to attack your country. Uh, well, let me finish, Dimitri. Let me finish, Dimitri. Well, listen, how do you think I feel about it? Can you imagine how I feel about it, Dimitri? Why do you think I'm calling you? Just to say hello? Of course I like to speak to you. Peter Sellers is great because I, like I said, I, I don't, I don't have too many Peter Sellers movies on my list, so it was good to see him in it. So, I think we've been fucking around too long, man. It's time to start really celebrating this man we came here to celebrate tonight and kick off the first of many, many editions of Stepping Into the Cage. Uh, hello, I'm Nicholas Cage. I'm thrilled to say that I. Made it. Here is a fine artiste, Nicholas Cage. Welcome, Nicholas Cage. We are thrilled he's here. Please welcome Nicholas Cage. What do you say we cut the chit chat? A hole. How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? Watch your fucking laugh. Fucking laugh. Fucking laugh. Fuck off. 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 Uh, we want to kick things off first with a game we haven't played since we had Ice Cole on a few months ago, uh, and that's the uh, One Sentence Review. It's actually the first game we played on this show, on episode one, and the rules are simple. You just pick a bunch of very popular films, and you kind of do a lightning round of hot take, really. You hear the name of the film, and you just give a one-sentence review. Kind of unnerving. We've, we've only done it a few times, and as you know... It's got to have a theme of Nick Cage. So these are all Nick Cage movies. Yeah, we're going to do three apiece. It's been a while since I've been in the hot seat. I, I think the last few times we played the guests is the, is the contestant. So you know me. I'll do my best at keeping it at a, at a short one sentence. So you want to go first? Let's see here. Um, 
Okay, we're gonna go old school. We're gonna go raising Arizona. Hold on, Raisin. We're gonna go pick up Daddy. Raising Arizona. If they're the family next door, move. It ain't Ozzy and Harriet. Rated PG-13. Fantastic film. First time I watched it, absolutely fell in love with it. I'm going with a mid-2000s Lord of War. It's not called gun running for nothing. You've got to be fast on your feet. Some revolutions blow over before the guns even get there. There's nothing more expensive for an arms dealer than peace. Great cast, cool gun running plot to it, uh, and the best cocaine scene outside of Blow. <laughs> Agreed. I've only seen it once, but it stuck with me so much. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... Post 2000, some of Nick Cage's best work, which isn't saying a lot, but it doesn't get a lot of credit for how good a film it is. Ethan Hawke's in there, Jared Leto, great cast, fucking awesome movie. We're going to go with arguably one of his best, The Rock. Welcome to The Rock. Sean Connery. 30 years ago, I vowed I wouldn't die in this toilet. Nicholas Cage. All right, I had to do it myself. I got three weeks' weapons training. Ed Harris. Fire. This summer. Get ready. You enjoying this? That's just about the most awful thing I've ever seen. The Rock, rated R. Ah, my God. The Rock, a game changer. Um, a different way of looking at action movies ever since. I can tell a little story about The Rock. I remember Golden Globes. Uh, around the time of Braveheart's uh, release and subsequent, you know, award fame and all that kind of stuff. That year, they had given Sean Connery some kind of Lifetime Achievement Award or something. And he, he came up and he did a speech. He noted that uh, the two most popular films about Scottish life uh, were Rob Roy and Braveheart. And one's played by an Irish, you know, American, and one's played <laughs> by, by an Australian man. He's like, why can't we get more Scottish fucking people, you know, in the, in these Scottish roles? Uh, I'm I'm di- I'm diverting, but uh, Nick Cage was the one who gave him the award that night, and then he gave a promo for The Rock, and I and that was the first time I had seen any footage of The Rock, and I was oh. blown the fuck away just by the trailer footage. I was just like, oh my god, what, I don't even know what this is, but I I think I have to see this movie. And then I went to go see it, and it and it absolutely delivered. It, it delivered everything I wanted. <laughs> I can't wait till uh, that one's part of half of the double feature. So <laughs> yes, yes. Are right, you ready for my next one? Let's go. Uh, let's go with another mid two thousands with uh, adaptation. Charlie Kaufman. Adaptation. The Kaufman. Oh man. We open on Charlie Kaufman, fat, old, bald, repulsive, sitting in a Hollywood restaurant across from Valerie Thomas. Uh, a, a lovely statuesque film executive, Kaufman, uh, trying to get a writing assignment, wanting to impress her, sweats profusely. Now that is him showing his true acting chops, in my opinion. Alongside Meryl Streep, that's a must watch. What's better than one cage? Two. It's astounding. Like, uh, just uh, he delivered, and it was kind of a meta commentary on himself. While, yep. at the same, while at the same time telling Kaufman's story. A great film, great film. All right, man. I'm going to go with his uh, just run-of-the-mill action family movie, National Treasure. For producer Jerry Bruckheimer, the secrets... Who wants to go down the creepy tunnel first? ...will all be revealed. Nicholas Cage, National Treasure. This was a film that 
like legitimately impressed me. I went in with zero expectations and it absolutely floored me of how good it actually was. Floored by by National Treasure and stealing the direct declaration of independence. Well, it, you know, it was it was just kind of like I I knew exactly what it was. It was just like a Indiana Jones knockoff. Yeah. But I thought that the you know the chase and the story and the journey, I thought it was yeah. really good. It kept me going and it I, it engaged me and made me want to keep watching. That's a Disney product, correct? Correct. They, they usually don't do a bad product, so I enjoyed it. It wasn't nothing that blew my socks off, but uh, it was fun. I like that kind of Indiana Jones style, of course. So I, I would have figured you for a massive uh, National Treasure fan. Yeah, you know it. it it should have been with Cage has just replaced uh, uh, Indiana Jones with Nick Cage, and and I'm a happy guy. But it, it didn't have any. Like I said, it was a Disney product. It was it didn't have any edge to it. Throw some edge into that movie. Throw some Raiders Edge or some Temple of Doom kind of style in there. Oh, I'm all over it. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Could you imagine if they made Bradley Cooper the next Indiana Jones? Give Scott Eastwood the role. He, I've told yeah. you. All right, last one. Last one for one sentence review. I'm going with the late '90s City of Angels. Listen, kid, he gave these bozos the greatest gift in the universe. You think he didn't give it to us, too? Which gift? Free will, brother. Free will. Great soundtrack, Goo Goo Dolls, is all I hear in my head when I hear that movie, so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, he was fresh off his Oscar win with this release. Like, I mean... Of course, he did like face off and shit like that. You know, his legitimacy was way up at that yeah. point in time. It's just some good cage, you know, great soundtrack. Uh, on top of that, you got Meg Ryan in there. Yeah. You look back and you see these combos sometimes and you're like, that's crazy that that worked. You know, I like how even on the one second reviews, we're kind of holding back our punches, you know, and none of them were his best. Like I said, this is one of many. So we have plenty of ammo for the arsenal, you know, so yeah. this is not the last one sentence review inside the cage but yeah uh, thank you rylan i love a good games appreciate your time on that thank you you are entirely welcome and now let us all go to my house for a little sponge cake and a little wine and and shit to the lumberyard but let's move on to our first film for the stepping into the cage double feature which is 1991's Zandale. <laughs> she was young, beautiful, and married, but she was not desired. I want you like we used to want. She had everything, but she was not fulfilled. God, it has nothing to do with you. Until a stranger entered her life. I know what you really are. I make no excuses for what I do. And swept her into a world of insatiable passion. I want you to move in with me. No. I did kill him. You have a mistress, don't you? <sighs> Go to him. Nice, your husband. Talk to him. I can't be what you want me to be. Yes, you can. It's over. You don't love him. Nicholas Cage. I can't get you out of me. You don't know anything about love. Judge Reinhold and sensational film newcomer Erica Anderson. Give the cap of what you want. You might just get it. Go! Sandra Lee. It's more of a, he says it Zondale, like a Z-O-N. But when you look at this name written down, to me it's Zandalee. The main character is a female, and that's her name, so we're sticking with it. And uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, like we said earlier, we were both kind of hitting kind of writer's block. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just saw that Willy's Wonderland had come out, 
And so I thought it was yeah. a perfect opportunity to just talk about Nick Cage. And then I, I thought it was a great opportunity to branch out, you know, even my own personal knowledge of oh, Nick yeah. Cage and, and watch a film that even I had never seen before. And that's what we get with, with Zondelay here. To basically just, I saw the poster for the film and I was like, that's stupid looking, but let's go, let's go <laughs> ahead and go with it. But because it was 90s Nick Cage, you know, you didn't run the risk of, you know, the post 2000s really shitty movie version of Nick Cage. And it definitely shows it's just a, a ridiculous melodrama. And I think <laughs> it's, it, it, it borders on like softcore porn, if I'm being honest. I was going to say this, say I have that note written down. I'm like, man, if you take Cage and Reinhold out of this movie, <laughs> you know, there's tons of tits in it. There's tons of sex. And you said melodrama. It, it mellowed me out for sure. There was, mm-hmm. you know, the first two thirds of it are a little, little slow going. And we'll get to the, the last third, which to me makes the movie. Yeah, you got a young, very young Cage and a very young Judge Reinhold, who I'm a pretty, pretty big fan of. I, I think he's got one of the coolest names to ever exist in, in, in Hollywood. <laughs> My favorite of his is vice versa. Your son is a dreamer. All he thinks about is music. He likes music. And you know what? Maybe one day he'll be a big star. And you ask him to come back here and give out prizes and stuff. And maybe he just won't because the way you dumped on him. Followed by Beverly Hills. Good evening, sir. The hell is that? It's late supper, sir. Compliments on the Axel Foley. Foley? How do you know we were here? Because I let you drive. This is definitely a different looking Reinhold, though. I kind of made the joke that he looks like a like an 80s Coke dealer or something. He's got a mustache, 140 pounds. So he's not that kind of lovable uh, Judge Reinhold that I'm used to seeing. It was, it was <laughs> definitely a different take. Yeah, and, you know, on top of that, we have a, a Fast Times reunion. Yeah. Of Cage and Reinhold. So there's a fun fact there for you. I am so tired of dealing with incompetence. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass. Basically, the plot of this movie is uh, you have a married couple that live in the French Quarter. Also, second time we've ever mentioned the, the French Quarter in this whole podcast history. The other one being Hard Target. When I watched it, I was like, hey, Hard Target. I love that it infused a lot of New Orleans into the film because it's it's one of my favorite cities. I think it makes for a great setting for a film, especially something like this. So it definitely added to the movie. If you would have put this in just some stereotypical Bronx neighborhood or something, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as it wouldn't have a little flair to it. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, married couple, they seem like they're in love. They seem very you know uh, youthful and exuberant and very sexualized. And we we get to see uh, very early on the main character. Of Zondale, that's her name. Zondale. Uh, just, just in the buff, constantly through the first act. It, which, by the way, Ryan, I don't know if you knew this, but that chick, the chick who plays Zondale, that's the chick from Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Tell you what, why don't I just eat the whole goddamn tray, go throw up and come back for seconds, all right? Madam, if I may. <laughs> Me being as big of a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, I'm, I'm, I'm so angry that I didn't see it. It, everything seems fine they seem like they're in love and at the same time a i guess an old friend of john reinhold's slash new employee 
uh, comes into the fold, played by the one, the only, Nicolas Cage. I fucking love Nick Cage so much. And he comes over, you know, in a social way to just kind of visit with them. Uh, we kind of get to know that he's an artist, like a painter. Uh, he's very emotional, very artistic. He's really putting that on his sleeve, the, the, the artistry of everything and how real stuff is. But if I can't paint, everything just turns to shit. What if you don't stop? I can't worry about that, man. That's denying what I call the artist's life. I think money's an excuse for a lack of art anyway. I don't care who you are, Donald Trump, who the hell. Without creativity, without life, then you are truly unable to go straight up the devil's ass. Look him right in the face. Smile and survive. And I think that that kind of thinking kind of gets in uh, Zondelay's head. And so she kind of wants to be more free and artistic and creative. And Judge Reinhold's character, I guess, is not having that. The Reinhold character is 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 got a got a little impetus going on. He, his workload is so stressful that he can't have sex with her. So, you know, she kind of ventures off elsewhere. And and of course, Johnny, I mean, uh, John, I was about to call him Johnny Cage. Nick Cage should have played Johnny Cage in the first Mortal Kombat, by the way. Those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. <laughs> anyway, his character, Johnny Collins, uh, sorry to say, is, um, I swear, he looks like a rock star. He's supposed to be this artistic, like, paints portraits and all this. He's got a jet black mullet kind of like a biker jacket and he's just cool as fuck. Like <laughs> when he shows up to a party and there's a bunch of naked people everywhere and everybody's like, Oh, Johnny, Johnny. He's like the cool guy. And I feel like Nick Cage is always going into movies going, Oh, you want me to wear a beret? I'm an artist. No, this is what I'm going to wear. This is what I'm going to do. So one day I went to school and I dressed up, put my cowboy boots on, put my black leather jacket on, put my sunglasses on <clears throat> and uh, said I was Roy Richards. And if you, uh, if you mess around with my, my cousin, Nikki Coppola, I'm going to kick your ass. So after that, they never screwed around with me anymore. So that was really my first acting experience. He's just kind of over the top, and I love it. That's just, it's just who he is. And he's got, he's got a little bit of scruff on him, kind of like a Fu Manchu yeah. type of situation going. He looks uh, ridiculous. <laughs> but, but like I guess his job is very blue-collar, but mm-hmm. he himself is just like a tortured artist. Like It's yeah. so incredibly pretentious. It's like failing to be multidimensional, and then you just just come off so one-dimensional. It kind of implodes on itself, you know? What are you thinking? Oh, I think you're a sad woman. Right. And then begins, like, the nine-and-a-half-week-style love affair of uh, Nightmare Chick and the one, the only, Nicolas Cage. I fucking love Nick Cage so much. And they have, you know, just a torrid love affair, like... Like, they know they're doing bad stuff, uh, but they just can't help themselves. Neither of them can. It's those parts that are really just dragging. You know, I, I was going to say, there's a, probably about four or five sex scenes in this movie, which, I mean... And there was a lot of back and forth, too. They would get it on, and then immediately the next scene is like them having dinner. Judge Reinhold's there now, and so they got to act like they didn't, but it's a real hard cut sometimes, and, it, and then a real hard cut back to more loving. So where's your wife tonight? Running around. She took a lover. I think so. Ah, oh, Christ, Ray. 
What's the world coming to? It's like it's so incredibly obvious that they're having an affair, yet Judge Reinhold is completely innocuous. There's a scene in the middle where he brings over Marissa Tomei, who's in the film, that very young Marissa Tomei. I caught this where when he goes into the kitchen, of course, it's the kitchen scene. She goes in. The, the woman goes into the kitchen. She's going to bring out dessert. Nick Cage goes into the kitchen with the door closed. He's going to wash up. And then all of a sudden they just start banging on a uh, washing machine. I fucking love Nick Cage so much. The washing machine kicks on and it cuts to Reinhold's face. And it's like he knows. It just I don't know. I didn't know if they were trying to end towards him knowing and not caring or or what was going to happen. Because like you said. There's not a lot going on in the first two-thirds of this movie. Fucking, I don't know, Steve Buscemi shows up in the very, very beginning as a trash guy, <laughs> and yes. you never see him again. So, I don't know, it just kind of lost me for the first two-thirds. Hey, baby, what you know? Not much. Now, stay out of trouble now. Just like you? Yeah, baby, just like me. Remember, nothing's as good as they say it is. Nothing. Not even me, and I can do something awful pretty good. In, in, in like I said, this was the movie my parents wouldn't let me watch in 91 because there's so much damn sex in it. It, it kind of feels like like just a knockoff of a lot of things, you know, yeah. like, like like it's a knockoff of nine and a half weeks. John, aren't you going to ask me how I like this? It's a knockoff of Basic Instinct. Do you use drugs, Mr. Mill? Sometimes. You ever use drugs with Mr. Boz? Sure. What kind of drugs? Cocaine. Have you ever fucked on cocaine, Nick? It, it's, a, it's a knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff, and it just it gets so watered down. And like now the only reason that we're even talking about this film is because the one, the only, Nicolas Cage is in it. I fucking love Nick Cage so much. He saves this film. I mean, he's the only, the only guy saying some interesting things like, Take my dumb coon-ass prick inside of you. With your husband in the next room. Can you do that? <laughs> I mean, these, these quotes exist. I had to write them down. It was ridiculous. The funny note I wrote down here, I'm reading it right now. Just they're fucking a church. So much fucking. <laughs> uh, and then we get into the, you know, the final few scenes. It, it's funny. You know, this guy lives in New Orleans and uh, gets on a boat and he gets seasick. Long story short, they try to get away. They try to get away from New Orleans to to restart or whatever. Guess what? Another sex scene. But this time, Judge Reinhold's pumping. They're trying to re reconciliate. He, he, in the back of his mind, I think, knows that she's ventured off somewhere. He just doesn't know with who. That was, a, that was a little bit of an intense scene. I was expecting something else to happen there. But guess what? Nothing fucking happened. Reinhold figures out this is going on. And then he just goes batshit crazy. All of a sudden, a revolver shows up. <laughs> they go out on the boat. He ends up falling off. And the weirdest thing, I did not understand this. So she jumps off to save him. Doesn't happen. Nick Cage jumps off to save this guy. He's got him in his in his arms. Reinhold decides to fucking vampire bite the, Nick Cage's neck and drown and die. Like there, there was no like dramatic drowning either. He just kind of disappears, and then then they're in a uh, cemetery. <laughs> it was just it, I was, something finally happened, and I was like, "All right, cool. Like, all right, what's what's gonna happen?" And then it happened, and I was like, so let down. I was like, "Shoot him, something. Like, <laughs> don't just bite his neck, and then nobody can just drown themselves either. That's not how that shit works, man." <laughs> 
So Nick Cage, you got to get to the paint scene though. That's the, oh that makes this God. fun. Yes, he's he's at his you know studio or whatever, and he's he's working on a on a paint project, and then he just completely breaks down, and he has like an, a a Nick Cage fit, which nowadays just seems normal. Back then, it must have been so powerful, you know, oh. back in '91 to see this guy, and he has this 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 can of black paint. And he just just takes handfuls of it and just and just sprays it all over his body, and so it's where his body is covered in black paint. Fuck you! Fuck it all out! Fuck it all! Fuck it! Fuck it out! Fuck it out! Fuck it out! Fuck it all out! And he's just flipping out, just just flinging paint everywhere, and he just has this emotional breakdown. You're like it's 1991. This is definitely not famous Nick Cage yet. And like one of the key grips watching that scene is just like, man, this fucking guy sucks. <laughs> the hell is going on? Because it was it. I sat there and laughed out loud because his character this entire film was pretty blah. And then you finally get to this scene, and it's Nick Cage's moment where he's like, okay, all right. I'm going to turn this shit up a little bit. And he does. And it just, it, it, it is impactful. It kind of moves the plot along a little bit and so grateful. We got that little bit of cage in this film because he was really toned down, very toned down to me. So to get this out of him made this entire hour and a half worth it. Fucking love Nick cage so much. <laughs> the main character is on delay dies. She gets fucking shot in the chest in the middle of the street because of Nick cage's fucking gambling debts. <laughs> It's just, it's fucking, it, it's almost, you know, laughable. Like, it would be fun to make fun of this movie. Remind me to renew that restraining order. Why? Because I am going to blast that flick on the internet tonight. So, uh, so star rating for Zondelay. I, I wanted to change it up and actually do a, a Nick Cage rating. So, like, instead of ten stars, we're gonna, let's do, like, five Nick Cages. What would you give Zondelay with that rating system? Uh, I'm going to give Zondelay... Uh, I'm going to give it two cages. How is this possible? I'm looking at two identical <laughs> Nick Cages. I don't mind even throw any points in there. It's just a two-cage day. Uh, I, there's, there's definitely going to be a one-cage or a half-cage in this, in this, uh, <laughs> this long-running segment eventually. Um, yes. But I'm going to give this a, a two out of five. Not, not that enjoyable. I'll never probably watch it again. But, hey, it's off the list. So, You know, uh... I don't want to give it uh, one cage, so I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give it two cages. How is this possible? I'm looking at two identical <laughs> Nick Cages. It's not the absolute worst, but it's far right. from the best. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll give it two Nick Cages, and that's being generous. I thought it was such trash. Um, I thought it was just, just it was just, it was just a, a cash grab film. I mean, I'm uh, glad I got to see old girl from Nightmare on Elm Street five naked. I mean, but you got to yeah. see her naked like a lot. It kind of reminds me of uh, Fiona Gallagher. If you know the show Shameless. Yes. You know, the first season, you're like, hey, that chick from Day After Tomorrow gets naked in this TV show. But then yeah. w once we're on season seven, like she's been naked so many times. It's it's not even it's not even like a thing I care about anymore. Like like it's it's such a non-issue. You've been acting like a dude all summer. Oh, it's okay for guys to play the field, but not me. You know, and that's the way I felt about Nightmare on Elm Street Five chick. 
by the end of this film. Yeah, just, just so much nudity. Yeah, but me back in about 1995, this was the movie you would want to get a hold of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad you're in the same boat with me. It was a snore fest. The first right. two thirds of the movie were so boring. It wore off seeing a young, you know, actor, uh, uh, Judge Reinhold, all these people, because it just it was so stale. And the idea what they were trying to do. They were trying to add some depth to it, but it just kind of really fell flat. But that's not the only film that we have on the docket tonight. Uh, we also have a preview of the most recent Nick Cage release, uh, Willie's Wonderland, that released just this week on streaming. You can buy it uh, for $20 anywhere that they sell new release films, Voodoo, Amazon, anywhere. So go check it out. But right now we're going to talk Willie's Wonderland. Welcome to Willie's Wonderland. Spend the night cleaning Willie's Wonderland, and I will pay to have your car fixed. Deal? You are officially on staff. Let's get the hell out of here. I can't stand to hear a grown man scream. This place has a dark history. I know the bullshit story they told you. It's a lie. You're here to be a human sacrifice. Have you been listening to a word I've been saying? He's gonna die in here, but he won't listen to me. The machines got out. Nobody is safe. Put your balls on, Evan. We're going to Willie's. He's not trapped in here with them. We're trapped in here with him. It's your birthday, and we want you to have It's your birthday, so let's hurry It's birthday time. I enjoy a man a few words. <laughs> Me not having power, I did not know what this movie was based upon before I watched it. So I came into it pretty rookie status, did not understand what this movie was about. I just thought it was a horror thriller comedy where Nick Cage was trapped in some fun house with these robots. So yeah, I gave him the name of the game, which is Five Nights at Freddy's for anybody in the know. He told me he'd heard the name, but he had no idea what it was about. Basically, anybody who doesn't know, a quick rundown, it's a, it's a first-person type of game where your goal is to last you know, overnight in this knockoff Chuck E. Cheese type of place with these animatronic you know, band-playing you know, robots. But then the robots become sentient, hiding behind corners and stuff, and then it's you as the first person in this video game to try to avoid them the entire night. Like you have no idea how to kill them. You just have to stay alive. Um, and so that's the point of the whole game is just, is just trying to get through five nights 
at Freddy's, which is the name of that thing. Now, that might sound bad, I know, but there's really nothing to worry about. Uh, the animatronic characters here do get a bit quirky at night, but do I blame them? No. If I were forced to sing those same stupid songs for 20 years and I never got a bath, I'd probably be a bit irritable at night, too. But when you watch Willy's Wonderland, it is a literal adaptation of that video game. And the only thing that changes is just the names of the characters and the name of the place, which now in the movie is called Willy's Wonderland. A stranger who kind of gets stranded in this small town needs work on their car, but he doesn't have any money. He gets offered to work off uh, the debt for his car, and the debt uh, he has to owe is one night at this place called Willie's Wonderland, where he just has to clean up the place, and if he does a good job in the morning, his car will be fixed and he can leave town again. The bulk of the movie is the entire night where Nick Cage goes up against animatronic robots in a, in a faux Chuck E. Cheese you know, kind of birthday place. And it's everything that I just told you it was. It's Nicolas Cage kicking ass because he rips these animatronic robots apart. I fucking love Nick Cage so much. I've, seeing as how you had very little context to go with, Ryland, what did you think overall of this film? I was really hoping for more. Of course, Cage is introduced is this guy who you might as well just be fucking Nick Cage. He's got his sunglasses on, <laughs> which, like I said to, to you earlier, he's getting old, man. He's starting to show his age here in this film. But I saw a old couple being visited by their children and all their grandchildren, too. The old couple wasn't screwed up, and neither were their kids or their grandkids. I, d I didn't understand the premise of the punch cola. Like, he would take a break, and he'd drink his punch cola. But it did seem video game-ish to me. I was like, is he replenishing his energy with this thing, like a health thing? I was expecting some really cool twist or something in it. You know, the motherfucker's in a coma or something, and this is what he's going through. I don't know. You know, and, and even then, it's got a, it's got a lot of over-the-top gore and a lot of blood, but nothing that was, like, funny. I was expecting it to be more of a comedy horror than it really was. They took themselves really seriously, in my opinion. The backstory, there's not much to it. These things are supposed to be scary and, and chopping people in half with one blow. But for some reason, Nick Cage, is that he can just fuck these things up easily. I mean, they don't even stand a chance against him. I fucking love Nick Cage so much. I, that's what took me back. I was like, you know, he's not struggling with these things at all. Like, one of them cuts him in the beginning, and I'm like, here we go. It's gonna He's going to break his arm or something. He's going to go, you know, die hard with it. But no, <laughs> he just straight whoops the fuck out of them the entire movie. I want to go back real quick. Like, could it, he could have been in a coma or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's automatically a ten times better ending than what we got. What? Did you wake me up? Yes, I woke you up. I don't know who threw this movie together, but it's very predictable. <laughs> like, I don't even know why these animatronic people are even, like, trying still. You know, yeah. like, like after the first couple ones, like, you figure, like, word would get around, like, not to fuck with this guy. But these things just keep on coming, and he just wrecks shop, man. Like, he doesn't <laughs> even think twice. Uh, my favorite was the curb stomp. 
That's exactly what I wrote. I said, curb stomp the gorilla into the urinal. Best kill. <laughs> they, they had kind of like a deadite, kind of evil dead type of situation going on. Like they're going to suck out their soul. Very scary stuff. The cinematography was pretty good. I liked it. It was very colorful. The shadowing, the lighting was really good. They, and they threw these little robot noises in to make them feel like they were robots. But for this movie, they did a really good job with the robots and, and the gore and the blood and stuff like that. It could have been way worse, way, way worse. You know, the motor oil kind of mm-hmm. spilling on them was a great, you know, oh, yeah. little, you know, blood uh, substitute. I thought that was really fun. Uh, but we got to talk about these dumbass kids. And the main one, um, I forget what her name is in the movie right now, but she has just the most soulless eyes I've ever yeah. seen in my life. My big takeaway with this movie was, who the hell is that chick? And she has, like, no emotion in her eyes, like, at all. Like, like zero. It's dumbfounding almost, you know? So they're practically just there for, for kills because Nicolas Cage's character, who's just called the janitor because he never, ever says a fucking word. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is such a Nick Cage thing to do. Cool. I was like, you better not say one word at the end, you motherfucker, because you've, you've gone this whole movie. Don't mm-hmm. waste it on some stupid little, like, what a ride. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Willie's dead or just some stupid. Chili Willie. You know, something like that. Be- <laughs> if his unpleasant wounding has in some way enlightened the rest of you as to the grim finish below the glossy veneer of criminal life and inspired you to change your ways, then his injuries carry with it an inherent nobility and a supreme glory. We should all be so fortunate. You say poor Toby. I say poor us. He spoke. Hey, man, I thought you were from Long Beach. (laughs) Now it'll be a trivia question. Me and you'll get right in 20 years. What movie did... Age, not say a word in. <laughs> kids, back to the kids. Yeah, these characters are just so fucking shallow and stupid. It just, like I said, it just throws in something for these robots to kill, which was cool. But man, let's get some more over the top, like goofy, funny comedy in this, and it would have been a much better film. These kids yeah. were in there as practically just, you know, meat to, to chop up. I was expecting more of a funny comedy out of it. If it would have, it would have been that avenue, oh, it would have been twice the film. So. Oh, I, I thought the potential of this film was through the roof. But then, yeah. the, but then you, you get to see the film, and there's something lacking. And it makes me think about like the, the lack of endorsement from the, from the video game that it clearly comes from. Maybe they did create this product for that video game, and maybe the creators or the company saw it, and they were like, we're not putting our name on this. You know? and, and so they had to come up with a whole different thing. But, but I gave it the benefit of the doubt, and... Without it being even remotely the worst Nick Cage film, it's it's far from the best as well. That's really all I can say about this film because there's not much there. A bit of mythology about you know the demon possession, and there's a deal uh, with the town that the town made with these demons or serial killers or or whatever the fuck they are that they'll they'll feed these animatronic robots if they just leave yeah. the townspeople alone. That's what made this plot make no sense to me is these if these things are this powerful and they can you know they need to feed why does the janitor have no issues killing them at all like there was so lopsided in the in the mythology where I'm going wait what why is he just like like practically a god in this in this place he barely gets touched he destroys these things with ease 
you know, they're sitting there cutting people in half. The cop at the end gets it the worst. That was a pretty cool scene. Willie, by the by the way, is a uh, a weasel. <laughs> Willie the weasel. <laughs> All he's got these huge fucking long arms, and he just cuts this chick in half at the waist. Does the blood squirt up? It was a great death scene. I wish almost all of them were like that. They kind of wasted all this blood and gore for, I guess, realistic stuff, which just doesn't make sense. The mythology of them being demons and all these powerful things will make them more powerful because Nick Cage just ran through these things. It was to give Nick Cage a bat and a broom, and he just was going to town. I fucking love Nick Cage so much. I have a feeling that if they get a chance to make a sequel, there's a lot of lore there to work with. Like, like, even with Nick Cage's character, you can really develop him. Like, you already know that he's a badass. And, and the movie, he kept stopping mm-hmm. these kids from trying to set the place on fire. So, like, he knew something that they didn't. That's always that feeling that you got. And so I feel like if they, if they have a chance to extend on the story, they'll do that. Uh, but as of right now, it's just your, your basic Nick Cage beating shit to death, you know, uh, which is not bad. But there's total room for development. There's this mystery behind his character. If they would have built him up instead of a guy who had a flat tire and was just thrown into this, like, this is the guy who's dealt with these things before. You know, yeah. that kind of vibe would have been way more exciting and it would have built Nick Cage's character up a little bit because he doesn't talk. Nicholas Cage, that's what he's good at. <laughs> his acting skills are set in his voice and mannerisms. He is an emotionalist being in this. Like, he doesn't even crack a smile. There's no smirk. There's some anger, but it's pretty stoic. If you throw Nick Cage in this and say, go Nick Cagey as fuck, say stupid shit, it would have been so much better of a film. I just don't understand why they went this this route. So so with Willy's Wonderland, how many Nick Cages do you give Willy's Wonderland, Rylan? You know, I think it's it's definitely more enjoyable film than Zondelay. I'm going to give it a 2.4 Nick mm. Cages. When we do Nicolas Cage, are we talking from the feet up or from the head down? It's, you know, it's very uh, metaphorical. Like, you know, it's from the ground up. It's like uh, Nick Cage walking the walk. But from the head down, it's it's Nick Cage talking the talk. I lost my hand. I lost my bride. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his bride. You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away and forget? He doesn't talk at all in this one. Just, it had so much potential, though. That's what's sad. I want to give it less because it ruined its potential, but... It's definitely not going to be the worst Nick Cage film we're going to we're going to review. So it's got to be in the two range. Agreed. Agreed. I give I give it a, a, a solid three. Three point two from the ground up. Um, sorry, let I let my dog bark right quick. You're okay. Trixie, I'm doing my little <laughs> radio program. That she's just excited. She's a Nicolas Cage fan as well. Oh, I, I mean, she wants to be part of this conversation. You know, she's like, "You face off." Conair is my favorite. Speak for yourself, moron. <laughs> oh my god, that is funny. It gets points for the just the badass Nick Cage ism, and so yeah, I, it, I I give it a lot more credit than it actually did. I thought Nick Cage. I thought a lot of these ideas that they kind of finally came up with were a lot of Nick Cage. Ideas like like it wasn't for him. This movie could have been way worse. But I think his inclusion really helps out. The potential is there. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a little higher rating than Ryland. The, the the anticipation of him talking the entire movie. I was like, is he gonna do it? It was just fun to jump into the cage for the first time. We're 28 episodes into, which kind of baffles me. We're 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 moving, man. This is fun and really looking forward to this. Yes, 
Um, and and of course, I do a discussion thread every single episode. So uh, let us know what Nick Cage double features you'd like us to see, or what ones you think are just great Nick Cage double features. Uh, we'd we'd love to hear from you. You're hearing this, and you're not part of the real shit. Uh, go to Facebook, uh, search the real shit with two E's. Be part of the fun, guys. Be part of the forum. Uh, this this is more of like an accompaniment to the group. Uh, so uh, we appreciate everyone that listens. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week uh, with another duo episode. We have more in store for you guys. Uh, the snow can't stop us for too long. All right. So for Ryland Johnson, my name is Charlie Thompson, and we have been spitting the real shit. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. I saw Nicholas King.